and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. If you work with children with autism, this is an episode you simply can't miss. We are going to talk about how to respond when the child produces their very first words. I'm going to first of all share with you a personal experience of how I responded in the past as what not to do. Don't do what I did. I want you to learn from my mess and from that, take the message and do better. So first of all, I'm going to share with you a personal story so you know what not to do. I was walking up the stairs to speech therapy with this child who had never spoken a word, who had never babbled, who had never sung, nothing, totally quiet all the time. Nothing came out of his mouth. And we were walking up the stairs, and I remember this as clear as day because it was such a special moment, and he very clearly said, up, as he was walking up the stairs. And my response was a shocked up. I was so excited. And he looked like he was going to fall down the stairs. He was shaking because he was at a tremble response. Get ready for action. His eyes were huge because he had to take all the information because he was in a being attacked mode. His skin was pale because all the blood was rushing to his internal organs to keep him alive. He was so scared. And what I taught him at that moment is that this is not safe. I stimulated the amygdala. I responded in an unfamiliar way and he did something unfamiliar. So what that, what his brain says is, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that again. When you behave in that manner, something unfamiliar happens. This is very unsafe. Retreat, retreat. Don't do that speech thing again. So that was the first reason why my shocked and excited response to him saying up was a bad thing because it was stimulating his amygdala. And the amygdala sends to the child that survival, fight, flight, freeze, fawn reaction, because I had a reaction of one of excitement. And for a child with autism who has, most of them have sensory issues. When you have sensory issues, that means you're not going to feel safe. 
Okay, so they're already a little bit on edge because their sensory systems, many of them, are not processing information well. And sensory systems are there to keep us safe. So they're already a bit on edge. And add to that, I have this excited reaction to them talking. So in doing so, I stimulate the amygdala reptilian brain, which says, you are in danger, danger, danger. You do not want to do that. And because the amygdala brain says, don't do that, that's not safe. You do this behavior and this behavior occurs. So that's the first reason why you do not want to have an excited reaction when children talk because you're stimulating the amygdala brain, an amygdala reaction. The second reason why my up reaction was a really not good thing to do for a child that was producing his very first word was that it was telling the child, I don't expect you to talk. It's sending the message that you talking is very unexpected. And there's a lot of research to support the self-fulfilling prophecy. In fact, in 1968, there was a book written called The Pygmalion Classroom, in which researchers just went to an elementary school and they drew 20% of the children's names and they told the teachers, these children, we tested them, even though they didn't test them, but they said, and they're intellectual bloomers, okay? So these children, by the end of the year, they're going to make the greatest gains. What happened? The children that they randomly selected did, in fact, make greater gains than those that they didn't. The only difference was the teacher was told that they were intellectual bloomers. We had the Pygmalion effect. The Pygmalion effect comes from Greek mythology in which there was an artist that sculpted a beautiful sculpture and he loved it so much that he brought it to life. So your beliefs matter and you believe that this child is not capable of speaking or this is not expected, then the child is likely to believe that as well. And they found that this was most true at the youngest levels of the elementary school. So you really have to be cognizant of that. If you're like me and you're working with preschoolers and they're looking at big old you, when you're big, that means you must know lots of things because you're way bigger than me. And they're saying, if she doesn't think that I can talk, then I probably can't. So that's the second reason why we don't want to give an excited reaction to those very first words and those first sounds. So the third reason why you may have heard of in the field of stuttering is called the approach avoidance conflict. And that's when you make things really high stakes, there's that loss aversion that means if you don't perform, that means there's great loss. And human beings do not like to lose. As much as we like to win something we don't have, twice as much we don't like to lose something that we already have. So what we do with these children with autism, when we make a huge deal when they produce speech, when they get the tickles and they get the affection and the clapping and the singing, they get their greatest rewards when they talk. And that could be food rewards, toy rewards. This is when the big ones come out. That means that if you don't talk, you're going to lose all of that. So if you don't talk, they're going to be disappointed or they're not going to respond. If you don't talk, and not that I recommend doing this at all, you don't get food or drink or the favorite toys or the favorite activities. So what happens, and that's where the word avoidance comes in, is that people just avoid 
the behavior altogether. Because the idea, the loss aversion, the idea that you're going to lose something that you treasure the most is simply too great. So what they do instead is like this talking thing, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk or not. It's like stuttering. Sometimes I can talk and sometimes I can't because there's an inconsistency aspect in their speech development. It's much like you see with childhood apraxia of speech and it's related to differences in the cerebellum. They have inconsistency in complex motor movements. So sometimes these sentences are coming out beautifully and sometimes the sentences are just not coming out. And the fact is, if you make a situation very high stakes, and that's going to result in avoidance because it's just too painful to lose what you love the most. Don't produce speech, no cookies for you. If you don't produce speech, no tickles, no singing, no clapping, no attention. That is high stakes. And that is something. So those are three reasons why I say don't act excited when children talk. Just to review it, the first reason why is when you act excited, that stimulates the amygdala of a child who is already experiencing sensory dysfunction likely. So they're already on edge. And it just takes a little of that to tip them over for them to have a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn reaction. The second reason why is the self-fulfilling prophecy, the Pygmalion effect, that your beliefs become true. If you're getting excited when the child talks, that's sending the message that I don't expect you to talk. That's not an expected behavior out of you. And the third reason why is the approach avoidance conflict. And that is that when things are really, really high stakes, as great as the gains are, it's even more painful to lose those gains. That's even more high stakes. So instead of trying to do a behavior that might not happen, that you can likely lose on attempting the behavior, it's much easier to avoid it. So all three of those reasons account to the child less likely to try to speak again. And that's why we don't want to get all excited and turn it into a big event when children do sp produce speech. But what do we want to do instead? What we want to do instead, I'm going to give you instead of this idea of barking, woo, 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 when the children produce speech, who let the dogs out? You're talking now. You don't want to do that. Instead of the barking, I, I want you to use the acronym ARC. So think of the acronym ARC instead of BARK. And think of when you do talk, I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to respond to it. And I'm going to do it calmly. You're going to have the enthusiasm there that you're going to have that excitement there, that joy there when you hear their words. That don't worry, that's going to be in your the twinkle in your eyes. But what you're going to do is you're going to acknowledge the speech, you're going to respond to the speech, and you're going to remain calm with the speech. And when you do that, the children are more likely going to talk again and talk more frequently and talk with greater quality and length and complexity because speech is something natural and expected and it's not something high stakes.
It's simply something that is always free. So I want you to take all of this information, roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place one child at a time. And don't forget, my book is going to be coming out this, and it's going to be 32 lessons that create lifelong change in autism intervention. Make sure to get that book. You're going to love it. I've designed this book so that the information is easily read in less than five minutes, each of the lessons, and you have five tips to immediately put into practice so that you can make the world a better place. I'm not talking gobbledygook here. I wanted to share a story of something that just happened today. I received an email from a supervisor from a Head Start clinic. And she said, I went to this presentation of yours at this university last year, and I, I listened to your research and I listened to the strategies that you suggest. And I put them into practice in my Head Start clinic. And these children are making amazing gains in speech and language. Now, this is someone who's been running a speech and language program and had start for 10, 15 years now for a really long time. And she went to my presentation last year. And all I did is I'm saying, hey, this is what works. Go do it in your practice. She did it. And she created massive change. I like that she put in all capital letters, amazing gains in both speech and language. So what I'm talking about is that neuroplasticity is at a high level and that we're not just here talking about our work. Yeah, we love our work, but we're talking about changing lives. This is a mission for me. I'm here on this podcast, besides working as a speech pathologist, besides writing books, besides having memberships and if everything else, because I know that what you do matters. You can change the next hundred years of the children's lives you work with drastically by simply responding intelligently to them early on by giving them the good stuff, give them top shelf intervention, and you're going to get top shelf gains early on. And that is going to result in the Matthews effect in which those who enter kindergarten at higher levels are going to achieve all the way through school, school age at higher levels. And that's because those who have are going to have more. And those that are the have-nots will have less. And what you do at the preschool age really matters. So I share that with you today because I want you to know that I'm with you at this drawing board on the mission and I'm sharing with you my top shelf. I'm sharing with you my latest and greatest. And I want you to do the same and that's what you're doing with the children you work with. And when you do, you're gonna get the all caps. You're gonna get the all caps amazing gains. You're gonna get those all caps lifelong change. So thank you so much. And I want you to keep doing what you're doing one child at a time. She's crying, she